This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Chapel International, a united denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches. Welcome to the Life Preaching Message, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to teach and preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. What a blessed morning we have to have fellowship with our God and to be reminded through his spirit, by his word, God's place in our lives. I want us to spend some time to prepare our hearts, asking the Lord by his spirit to make us ready to receive what he has for us. Let us pray and thank him that he has counted us worthy to be brought into his kingdom and let us bless his holy name and give him thanks. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you. We bless you. We bless you and we give you all the praise and the adoration. Thank you for the opportunity we have to hear your word and to be partakers of that which is able to save our souls. Thank you for an opportunity to enjoy sweet fellowship with you. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for your kindness and favor that is in our lives because you loved us in spite of everything that is contrary. You still loved us, even though we know you not the way we ought to. We bless your name and give you praise. And by your spirit, we ask that our hearts be prepared to receive your word. May our hearts be a fertile ground. Every choking element that is present in our hearts, Lord, by your spirit, we ask for their removal. That we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the health that we enjoy from you. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your kindness that never fails. Your mercies that are new every morning. We give you praise. We give you all the adoration. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We look up to you. Speak to us for your servant heareth. Speak to us us, direct us, guide us, teach us that we'll be the same. We give you praise, we give you all the adoration. Let all that will be said and done here go to glorify you. Let only your words be said and nothing else. I present myself as a vessel that Lord, use my voice to say that which you need to say. May my person never come into play. May my own wisdom never come into play here. But Lord, as your spirit speaks, may I deliver that which is of you alone. And I thank you for your peace that rests upon all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We are blessed. We are blessed this morning. And it's a privilege to 
have to hear the word of God. And uh, I want to just give you a little bit of a recap why I'm sharing what I'm sharing with you today. You know, weeks ago, I began sharing with us that salvation is more than forgiveness of sins. And I feel strongly that I should constantly emphasize this truth than the forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of our sins is necessary because we have to enter and come into the presence of God. And in him who there's no sin, he cannot have fellowship in. Therefore, it was imperative, it was necessary that he cleansed us from our sins and caused our lives to be acceptable in his presence. But over and above that, he has called us to greater things, has purposed or given us to be his servants, to be a witness of a testimony of his glory and a, a, demo, a place of demonstration of his love, his mercy, his everything, his attributes. So if we don't understand this, we will just be focused or we will fixate, we'll be fixated on only one aspect of our walk with him, which is our sins that are forgiven. Hallelujah. So I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2 that talks about how we are saved. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us that for by grace are we saved. You know, verse 1 reminds us in terms of who we really are. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 reminds us that we who were dead in trespasses and in sins, he has quickened or brought back to life again. And it explains that in the time past, we walked according to the course of this world. In other words, in the time past, the steps we took, the decisions we made, and the attention we gave ourselves to. Okay, so again, continuing. So we see clearly what has happened to us in Ephesians chapter two. And then the Bible tells us we hear clearly that we, we had our behavior and everything according to the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as others are. But you see, God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ Jesus. You know, is that God who is rich in mercy and for the great love wherewith, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ Jesus. And has raised up together and made us together, made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
that ages to come, that is in the time to come, in the fullness of time, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and in his kindness towards us through Christ. So we see that God has clearly an agenda for our lives and has a purpose for our salvation. And that it is not only the forgiveness of our sins, but after this forgiveness of our sins, there is more, there is more. And I want you to believe this, that there is more in Christ Jesus than just the forgiveness of your sins. There's more to your life here on earth in Christ than just the bread to eat and clothes to wear. There are things that God has purposed for your life to accomplish in the demonstration of who he is to the whole world and to our generation. So verse 8 says that, for by grace we are saved through faith and not of works or not of ourselves. It is the gift of it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in. So Paul says that, wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hand, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens to the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now, in Christ Jesus, we who were sometime afar off are made nigh by the blood, and so on and so forth. So we see that now we are in a better position before than before we met Christ. And so we need to, having now been or been brought in a better position, we cannot walk in the way we used to walk in, where we did according to the prince of the power of the air. Now we have to do according to the spirit of God. We have to do according to the spirit of God, which spirit he has given to us as a gift to come and reside in us and with us, to teach us and to work out, work us according to the ways of God and to do what God wants our lives to do. I just pray and hope that you understand this simple gospel that is being preached to us through the Bible. Now, what is my message therefore today? My message therefore today to you is that there are great works. There are great works that is waiting for your life to manifest. There are great works that is waiting for your lives to manifest. And therefore, I want you to lift up your eyes from yourself and look unto God who has called you, who has saved you, 
through the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ, and let his spirit, his gift of the Holy Spirit in us, cause us to walk in all these great works. Hallelujah. Satan would want to tell you that your life is good for nothing. But God has prophesied. And when he prophesies, what makes him God is that his prophecy, his prophecies come to pass. His words don't fall to the ground. They accomplish whatever it is sent to do. So God has spoken of you in a favorable way, in a very kind way. And I want you to believe it because that is the work. You see, that is the work of God. The true work of God is to believe his messenger. Hallelujah. Pastor, why are you saying that I should believe his messenger? Look at what he says in John chapter 6, verse 29. Can somebody read John chapter 6, verse 29 for me? Okay, if I'm not getting anybody, let me read to myself. Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God. What is the work of God? That ye believe on him whom he has sent. You see, the real work is to believe on whom he has sent. In this case, the first person he sent is Jesus. And then Jesus also sent his disciples. And his disciples, and, and then gave commission, not only to his disciples, but to everybody else who would believe. So we have a situation here. And that situation is that we must believe on him whom he has sent. So listen, the real work is not the forgiveness of our sins. It has been done and it shall be done. There's no amount of, you see, and the, the truth is that the only reason we keep on going back to the mat from where we have been extracted is because we are not believing the other parts of the message that has been given to us. So we find ourselves not pressing forward, but idling around, being fixated with our problems. And the result is that we end up back to where we were redeemed from. Hallelujah. So today, I want us to listen carefully about what God has said through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we begin to pray towards it and live it out in the fullest and begin to have that mind that this is who we are. This is what our lives would accomplish. And therefore, everything that is contrary to the message or to what his messenger has said, we refuse to believe it and to believe what he has said. Remember, John 6, 29. I want you to, let, let us memorize that verse. John 6, 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Hallelujah. 
So if I say I'm doing the work of God, my primary task is to believe on Jesus, whom he has sent. And from that, whatever Jesus says is what I should be occupying myself with. So if we understand this verse, in John chapter 14, Verse 12. <laughs> Listen, this is the prophecy of who you are and what you are to be. Very, Jesus said, verily, verily, in other words, for sure, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. In other words, if, if you do the work of God, which is to believe on him, if you believe on him, he said, the works that I do, shall ye do also. The works that I do, shall whoever it is that believes on me do. And then the beauty is, and greater than these works shall he do, because I go to my father. Hallelujah. This is, your, this is a prophecy of, of your destiny. Your destiny is to do the works of Jesus and even take it to the next level because he goes to his father. Now, why, 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 why would you be doing greater works because he's going to the father? Because by his going to the father, his spirit, the Holy Spirit would come, would come into you and to you as the gift of God, which we see how he comes. He comes by those who repent and who tend to God and who comes to surrender to God as God and submitting themselves to God. The Bible says God forgives them of their sins and then gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a promise to all who would receive Jesus or who would believe in God and receive Jesus as the way to the Father. Hallelujah. So, I'm sharing with you a prophetic declaration of your life. I'm sharing with you that Jesus, if you believe on me, and that is the work of God, the good works that you were saved for is to believe on him whom he has sent. And from there would come the manifestation of all the works in its different presentations and, and, and its facts, I mean, aspects. And, and you see, you need to understand this because if you don't understand this, you can find yourself thinking that you are good for nothing, there's nothing you are worth. And you see, that's what Satan has done. Most Christians have been made to be preoccupied with themselves, neglecting the prophetic declarations of their lives. Because God is not a liar. You are, not, you are not a useless person. You are not given to the things you are giving yourselves to. No. You are, there is a clear declaration of what your life must be. Whether it will be or not, honestly speaking, depends entirely on you. It depends entirely on you. You know, sometimes we look at ourselves, what is absent, what is lacking, what is a struggle, and all those things. And then from there, 
we don't believe or we don't walk in what has been said concerning our lives. For example, in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1, you see, the prophet declared what they must do. Do you get it? The prophet declares what the barren must do. Why, why is that declaration? Because naturally, you see, naturally, when you are barren, you will not make preparation for children. You will not make preparation for children. But you see, the prophet says, say, O barren, thou, thou that does not bear, break forth into singing, Cry aloud, thou that does not travel with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife. And then there, there's a clear instruction that if you believe this prophecy, that you who is barren, your children are more than the one who is married. If you believe it, this is what you will do. You would enlarge the place of your tent. You will strike them forth, the captains of your habitation. You will not spare, but rather lengthen your courts and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be, habit to be habit inhabited. Fear not, thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be that for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. For thy maker is thy husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. So listen, what am I sharing with you here? I'm sharing with you that you may not be or you may not have started off in this life as somebody who is notable for great works. In fact, sometimes when you look at your works, you feel that you are good for nothing. But you see, having come to Christ, there is a prophetic declaration of your destiny, what it shall be. The rest depends on you believing it and not looking at your circumstance, not looking at your situation. You know, many of us, unfortunately, continually look at our situations. And that is why the word that came to the barren was enlarge your tent because your children will be more. So if you believe that prophecy, you will do what you have been told to do. And you see, the prophet, the prophet Isaiah gave them the reason. The reason is not because your All of a sudden, has become is because of the one who actually is going to do it with you. It says, "The maker, the for thy maker, your maker is your husband. The one who made you is your husband. So he has no problem of opening up your womb to make you fruitful. 
And I be, if we believe, if we believe, many of us are going to experience what God has declared for our lives. The great words. Jesus said, great, for verse 12 of John, sorry, uh, 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 John 14, yeah, verse 12, it says that if you believe, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do. And greater than these works shall he do. And you see, remember this. Remember this. Remember Sometimes we look to ask ourselves, what are these great works? What are these great works? Am I going to build houses? Am I going to do this? What am I going to, what are these great works? Listen to me. Listen to me. These great works are what God called great works, not what men call great works. And you see, one of the ways by which many of us will be lured out of this destiny, this prophetic declaration of what our life shall be, is for our eyes and our understanding to be twisted. In other words, to be made to believe that great works are what the world called great works. But remember that this is God saying that you shall do great works or greater than these works that I do shall you do. Now, what is great works in the eyes of God? Obviously, we all know, but it is important for us to understand that what is great in the eyes of God is not great in the eyes of men. And what is great in the eyes of men, the Bible says, is an abomination unto God. In Luke 16, 15. He said, you are they who justify yourselves. But God knows your heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination unto God. So remember this, that in the prophecy of the greater works that your life shall accomplish. Don't evaluate those great works or greater works in the life of what men call great works. Because if you do, you will not find them. And therefore, when God is leading you by his spirit to do the great works, you will say they are not great works. And Satan will deceive you and to make you drop them and go after what men call great works, which in the sight of God is an abomination. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. You see, if you accept and believe the declaration of Jesus that the works that I do, you shall do, and even greater than this work shall you do. Now, the other step where the enemy will want to deceive you is to redirect your mind and your heart to something else, which is not what is redirecting you to. You see, many of us sadly redirect our lives to achieving what men call great, but not what God calls great. Forgetting that that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination unto us, unto God. Hallelujah. So I want you to understand this truth and give yourself properly 
to what is great in the eyes of God, because that is what has been declared for you to accomplish. Even as you overcome the bottleneck of fixating yourself on the sins and its forgiveness, and you decide to move on, there are other bottlenecks and there are other traps that the enemy would want to stop you or would want to use to detract you and to, to deceive you and to prevent you from becoming what God has called you to, what God has called you to be. And that is the great works of your life. And it is that you need to understand that what is great in the eyes of God and what God calls great is not the same as what men call great. So that you don't mistakenly give yourself to what men call great, thinking that this is what God is expecting of you. Sadly, many of us are pursuing that route of following what men call great to the neglect of what God calls great. And therefore, I want you to know that your life is for a higher purpose. Your life is for a higher purpose. Don't, first of all, look at your limitation because the, the great works has nothing to do with your limitation. It has to do with the one who is in partnership with you. And that is your maker, your maker, the spirit of the living God, your maker. He is the gift that God has given to you. He has come to bring into your life the great works of God. He has come to make you great in the eyes of God. He has come to make your life accomplish and manifest the glory of God. And I can tell you, as your life manifests the greatness of God, the great works of God, and the glory of God, I promise you, God will also glorify you. I said, God will also glorify you. And he will supply to your life the abundance of all good things. So as I conclude, let us believe him whom he has sent. I said, let us believe whom he has sent. And this will be the work. Once we believe Jesus, who has declared that our lives shall do greater than his works, we will do his works and even do it to the next level. It will cause us to really focus on the provision of God, that is his Holy Spirit in us, and you see, by so doing, we would, we would stand boldly before God. Because we'll be following everything God wants to do with our lives. And he would count it unto us as righteousness. He would count it unto us as wholeheartedly giving ourselves unto him. And he will bless our bread and he will bless our wine. Our lives shall be a testimony. I said, our life shall be a testimony. Our life shall bring praises to God. And we ourselves will like our lives. Hallelujah. So as I leave you with this, I need you to understand. I said, I need you to understand that your life is destined for great works. Your life is destined for great work. What is my evidence? What is my evidence? My evidence is what Jesus has said. But in case you didn't understand that, let me give you one more evidence to round it up. In Luke chapter 7, 
in Luke chapter 7. The verse 24. In Luke chapter 7, verse 24. Oh, I want, Father, let, let there be believers who are hearing this message today. Who would rise up and manifest in their lives your great love and your power. You see, in John chapter 7, sorry, Luke chapter 7, Verse 24, earlier on, the disciples of John had sent to Jesus, or sorry, John, John had sent his disciples to Jesus to ask him if he was the one or they should expect another. I don't know what has prompted him, but sometimes when life gets tough and when things get rough, doubts can set in. And I don't know what has happened to John, who testified powerfully about Jesus Christ as the Messiah, all of a sudden having challenges. We all have challenges. Hallelujah. Sometimes the enemy can hit you so hard that you can ask, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? But I promise you, God never forsakes. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. And he asked a question. What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see a man clothed in such raiment, behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's court. But what went ye out to see? I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. So Jesus is describing John the Baptist. That John the Baptist was more than a prophet. Hey, if John was more than a prophet, then who was he? And Jesus says, it is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before thy face. We shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Hallelujah. As Jesus is describing John the Baptist, and say, among those that are born there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. I said, but he that is least 
in the kingdom of God is greater than he. In other words, among those born of women, John the Baptist is the greatest. But in the kingdom of those that are in the kingdom of God, people like us who are, who are believers in Christ and have received him as our Lord and Savior and therefore are transmitted from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. Jesus says that the lowest of us is still greater than John the Baptist. This is who you are in the eyes of God. I said, this is who you are. You may not be like that in the eyes of men, but thank God that the eyes of men are not the eyes of God. But the eyes of God stands alone. And whatever God says you are, that's what you are. Men may say you are something, and God will say you are nothing, and you will be nothing. Therefore, if God is saying that you who are least in the kingdom, even if you are least in the kingdom of God, you are greater than John the Baptist, then you need to live this life to reflect who you are through your works. That has been prepared for your life. So listen, let us not allow our fixation to the sin and the sin problem of our lives to prevent us from marching forward. Let us not allow what we don't have, such as the barrenness that is in a, a woman who has not had a child before. Let us not allow it to prevent you from preparing for the great works that would come into your life because of who is your husband. And then let us understand that the Holy Spirit is with us, in us, to accomplish this great ways. I pray that you will believe in the word of God and you will rise up and every step of your life from now on would begin to show your faith, what you believe. You will not give yourself and allow the lies of the enemy to take you away from what actually is great. By Satan deceiving and saying, no, this is great according to the world, but according to God is not great. So wherever an ambition, a dream comes to you, you need to evaluate it and ask, in the eyes of God, is this great works? Or these are great works in the eyes of men, which the Bible says, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination unto God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless you at this moment, at this hour, for your goodness and your kindness that you have shown towards us by speaking to our hearts the truth of your word and causing us to arise from every slumberness and every lax posture and every distraction that has caused us to stray from that which you have prepared for our lives and focusing on Jesus, who we believe and have received as your son and as our light 
And as you telling us what our lives ought to be, may we believe him and walk in every step of the way by your spirit who is in us. Cause us to walk step by step into these great works for our lives through the renewing of our minds and the removal of anything that is hindering in our hearts. We thank you, Father, for a blessed life that you have given unto us. We thank you that we shall be found faithful because of the help of your Holy Spirit. We give you praise in Jesus' name. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, I know some of you may not have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you need to, you need Jesus in order for your life to be what God wants it to be. Without Jesus, your life can never be what God wants your life to be. And without Jesus, you will never see the greatness that is prepared for a life that believes in Jesus. Your life without Jesus will be a life of frustration. It will be a life of no hope. And it will be a life of bondage to sin and to trespasses that awaits judgment, severe judgment of God. But now that you are alive and you can hear me, you have an opportunity to say, Pastor, I surrender my life to Jesus. I receive Jesus as God's provision for my sins, not only for my sins, but for my exhortation. Therefore, I want to receive Jesus into my heart. If you do, let us pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I thank you for a day like this. I thank you for a day like this. I receive you. I receive you. As my God. As my God. I receive you. As my God. My ways. I receive you. As my way. And I come to you. And I come to you. Just as I am. Just as I am. I know I'm a sinner. I know I am a sinner. But today, but today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me your very own child again. And make me your own very child again. I receive Jesus. I receive Jesus as your son. As your son, who came to die for my sins. Who came, who came to, to die for my sins. By his blood that was shed on Calvary. By his blood that, By was, the shed blood on the that was shed on the Calvary. Cleanse me from all my sins. Cleanse me from all my sins. Cleanse me from all my sins. And make me a new creature. And make me a new creature. Jesus, make me a new creature. Jesus, I receive Jesus. you as my Lord and Savior. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. And be the and be the Lord of my life. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize baptize me with your Holy Spirit that I may walk worthy. That I may that I may walk well. 
of my salvation. Of my salvation. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for these precious lives. I pray that by your hand and by your power, they shall be established in your kingdom. They shall grow into the mighty tree that they are. That men shall give glory to your name because of the manifestation of your words in their lives. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I just feel I, we thank the Lord for this opportunity. And I just feel I should take the offering before we do the communion prayers with our Father. And you know, offering, I, I was just reading the book of Chronicles this morning in my quiet time. And I was reading Chronicles, uh, uh, First Chronicles chapter 30 and thereabout. And I realized that when people give willingly and joyfully to the house of God, God sees it and God blesses it and blesses the people and makes them have in abundance more than they ever need. And I believe that our giving also reflects our attitude towards God. Our payment of tithe also shows to us the value that we have for the house of God and for the advancement of his work. So listen, I want us to be a people whose heart is linked towards God. I want us to be a people who God will say that we are following him with our whole heart. And it must manifest in different areas, including our giving. We must never need exhortation to give, but we must give over and above what is even needed because of our love for God. And I can promise you, God will bless your life and will bring into your life far more than you can handle, far more. He would open doors that are closed and cause your feet to walk on a smooth path. Not only because of the offering, but because of your heart towards him. And therefore, whatever stands in your way that tries to hinder you from giving to God generously, remember that it is actually Satan that is resisting you from being declared by, by God as somebody who is following him with his whole heart. Because I tell you, if you follow God with your finances in a certain way, other things of your life would follow naturally. Hallelujah. Your finance is the area where Satan has hidden and would prevent your heart from being whole towards God. And I want you to give and give generously and abundantly and never need any exhortation to give. No, decide in your heart, pray towards it. And I believe God will bless you and increase you in every way. That we give by electronic means. So let us, I'll pray and then we project the account details so that you can give. Father, I bless this offering. I bless the tithe. 
that is being paid. Those that have paid their tithe even before this day. Let your hand rest upon them. Let your favor go before them. Let your sword protect them from behind and from everywhere. And may they always be under your covering as you guide them and teach them the path of righteousness. Let their lives be a reflection of every truth of you and deliver them from evil. Give them help. Give them strength and let their hearts be filled with joy and peace. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let us receive our offering as we take announcements that may be there. Amen. God bless you. We believe you've been blessed by this message. To stay connected, follow our LCI social media platform.